In some of his novels, Thomas Hardy holds society responsible for the various ills of life which he thinks, have no place in the natural state of man. Society has given a very unjust sanction to conventions that have outlived their utility and approved the laws and institutions which are not at all fitting in the present setup of the world. The two most important conventions which are specially studied and analyzed by Hardy are the conventions connected with chastity and marriage. It is dear that the relation between man and woman is the most vital factor in the social life of the people. However, the other mighty factor responsible for much of the unrest and disequilibrium in society and domestic life, namely, the economic uncertainty and unemployment, which has so largely overwhelmed mankind these days, is not discussed in his novels. The only radical problem which he discusses is the institution of marriage. Hardy advocates against institution of marriage. Hardy has, in several novels, vehemently attacked the marriage institution as it exists amongst us these days. He always disfavors a marriage, which is regarded as a rite or a sacrament. In the traditional sacramental marriage, no due regard is made to the psychological factors. It does not care for the real union of heads and hearts. It is not a marriage of true minds to which no impediments are admitted. It is a mere physical contract. It is indifferent and unkind towards the finer shades of emotion and feeling. The worst aspect of this sacramental marriage is its rigidity. No divorce is possible. The two parties are bound hand and foot forever. In most cases they are compelled to suffer innocently and undeservedly. If they challenge the institution and rebel against society, they are called immoral, flighty and irresponsible. Hardy realizes the folly of this sort of marriage and expresses his views on this problem unequivocally. Besides giving various indirect suggestions and reflections, he has at places openly and directly expressed himself on the marriage problem. He firmly believes that marriage is a social contract, rather than a mere, religious sacrament. The contracting parties enter into it for some common specific purpose. True marriage, therefore, consists in the union of hearts and not in mere physical jointure which is celebrated by the priest, the Holy Father. Moreover, Hardy holds that if the relations between husband and wife become strained and inconducive to the mutual good, they deserve to be broken. Restitution of conjugal rights if either of the parties is unwilling, is immoral and inhuman. Human nature is freedom-loving and the marriage vows, if rigidly followed, ruin the freedom of the married couple. The thought of being under the vow to continue to love when it is beyond endurance, is naturally irksome, true love then ends there and only hypocrisy and unwilling compulsion prevail. Hardy's Views on Ideal Marriage Marriage is an ideal worthy of human attainment only when the common interests and aspirations of the couple joined in a holy wedlock are mutually adjustable. Marriage is the highest kind of friendship and the best comradeship. The two souls merge into one and their movements are rhythmically regulated towards the realization of common aims and objectives. It is an act of psychological harmony and spiritual adventure. It is not flame meeting with flame but a spirit calling to spirit. This, in short, is the view of Hardy on marriage. It is a pleasure to read his poem, Her Late Husband which expresses his standpoint clearly on this subject. The widow wants that her husband should be buried by her side. He had loved her so much in life that she is not prepared to be buried among her own kin, under her own maiden name, because it would mean that she was not married. She imagines that some Christmas night when angels walk by their graves, they will say, O oh, strange internment, civilized lands! Afford new types thereof. Here is a man who takes his rest. Beside his very love. Beside the one who was his wife. In our sight up above. 
long-time courtship should be an essential part of marriage. Anyway, this view of marriage raises one very serious difficulty. How is it possible for ordinary mortals to know the nature, temperament and general outlook of the would-be lifelong companion? This life is short and uncertain and human calculations fail so frequently that true conjugal comradeship seems to be a mere dream on this earth, a castle in the air. Mostly people are swept away by love at first sight. All prudence and restraints remain passive weapons before the golden arrows of Cupid. For this Hardy proposes that sufficiently long time should be given to the courting couple before they take the final step and enter into marriage. Courtship is often blind and saturated with elements that are fanciful and unreal. This is a period of intoxication, so to say. Hence it should be properly handled and utilized. The period of courtship is meant for understanding each other, and coming near each other's point of view as closely as possible. Thus Hardy solves this riddle by suggesting a trial and error method which is more lasting. Hardy has presented ideal pairs, husbands and wives in his Wessex novels. Jude and Sue are a perfectly ideal couple, though law and society do not permit them to live as husband and wife. Yet they live together and face the consequences of social scandal. It is through hard struggle and suffering that they realize their love. Again, it is only long-suffering and mutual understanding that make Gabriel Oak and his partner realize the folly of a union which is guided by mere physical passions and desires. The marriage of Mr. Yobright and Eustacia V, as it is based purely on love at first sight ends but in tragedy and frustration. We now come to the novel The Mayor of Casterbridge and discuss the marriage problem as it is presented therein. Henchard Susan an incompatible couple Henchard is a young man who within two years of his marriage realizes the folly of having married at too early an age and with a woman with whom he has no psychological kinship. He has no work and in the absence of employment finds it very hard to support himself, his wife and one daughter. It is a marriage hastily performed without consideration of fitness of the partners, and mutual understanding, which is responsible for the ruin of his domestic happiness and success in the world. In a fit of intoxication, he listens to the conversation of those assembled in the tent. The theme of their talk is the ruin of good men by bad wives and, more particularly, the frustration of many a promising youth's high aims and hopes, and the extinction of his energies, by an early imprudent marriage. This leads Henshaw to think of his own marriage and say, I did for myself that way thoroughly, I married at 18, like the fool that I was, and this is the consequence of it. I haven't more than 15 shillings in the world, and yet I am a good experienced hand in my line. I challenge England to beat me in the fodder business, and if I were a free man again, I'd be worth a thousand pound before I'd done out. But a fellow never knows these little things till all chance of acting upon them is past. And on hearing the auction of a horse by a gypsy outside the tent, he remarks, For my part I don't see why men who have got wives, and don't want them shouldn't get rid of them as these gypsy fellows do their old horses. Why shouldn't, they put them up and sell em by auction to men who are in want of such articles? I'd sell mine this minute if anybody would buy her. Soon a sailor offers the price demanded by Henchard and Susan is disposed of. Though later on Henchard repents for this sinful act, and takes an oath never to have strong liquors in future, yet the thing has happened, we have to remember, mainly because of the disparity between the husband and the wife. In fact, Susan was unfit for Henchard. Again, in Henchard's love affair with Lisetta, we find an instance of ill-judged companionship. Henchard is confident of Lisetta's sincerity but he is soon disillusioned when she marries Farfree and not him. The disclosure of his past life by the Formity woman is only a minor factor. 
The chief reason is Lisetta's own heart which has already long been turned towards the young Scotsman. The result, therefore, of Henchard's coming in the way of Lisetta and Farfrey is but misery and despair. The rift issuing from a hasty marriage. In the marriage of Lisetta and Farfrey again, Hardy has exposed the wrongs caused by hasty marriages. These young people meet, love in case of love at first sight. It is the mere dazzling of a passion that brings them together, and the result is that happiness never visits their domestic life. Lisetta requests for songs but Farfrey is too busy in his trade. There is no real union of heart and mind, of tastes and moods between them. The result is that secrets shoot up and soon after the skimmity ride is taken out by the mischief mongers of the town, Lisetta breaks down and dies. She has no strength to face society, no power to withstand the trials and tribulations that attend on true love. Hardy upholds the marriage between Farfrey and Elizabeth as an ideal. In fact, it is the marriage of Farfrey and Elizabeth that is approved of by Thomas Hardy. These young people loved each other long before Lisetta came in their way. They knew each other and appreciated each other's worth and value. Their outlook on life was identical. Elizabeth often wondered how similar their views on various problems of life were. There was every prospect of lasting comradeship and happiness for them. Both knew that marriage was not merely a dancing and singing affair but an act of severe responsibility in which happiness came only to those who cultivated the virtues of patience, courage and fortitude. They understood each other for long and underwent several little trials of patience and endurance before they found themselves bound with a marriage tie. Hence their union proved more fruitful and lasting than the marriage of Lisetta and Farfrey which was based on mere whim of passion, a passing desire. Forced bondage cannot ensure a happy marriage. Henchard and Susan, even after their reunion, could not enjoy domestic peace and happiness, for the simple reason that it was a forced bondage and there existed no harmony of tastes and feelings between them. There were fears and doubts between them and they could not come close to each other's heart, though Susan tried her best to adjust herself to the changed circumstances, she failed in doing so more and ever more. She could not lay her whole heart open to Henchard and always hid the secret of her new daughter's birth. She cared more for her daughter than for her husband. Henchard did everything he could to make himself a good and genial husband, but he never succeeded in receiving true love from either his wife or his daughter. They always treated him reservedly and paid him only left-handed compliments. Conclusion Thus Hardy takes a very realistic and common-sense view of love and matrimony. His outlook is unromantic and unsentimental. He neither sentimentalizes love like Sir Walter Scott, nor intellectualizes it like George Meredith, nor does he even idealize it like Robert Browning. To him, marriage is essentially a practical affair, not a mere physical passion, or a sensual attraction, but a social contract carrying with it some assurance of a permanent bond insofar as the two parties have commonality of interests and community of feelings and tastes. Explain and analyze Hardy's views on marriage and domestic life with special reference to the mayor of Casterbridge. Microeconomics Vertical Bar Solve Question Paper Vertical Bar C.U. Minus 2018 for Semester 1. CU Semester 4, CC 10, Previous Year's Questions, BA English, Huns. Microeconomics Vertical Bar C.U. Minus 2017 Solve Question Paper Vertical Bar Semester 1. Analysis and Summary of Birches by Robert Frost along with the poem Vertical Bar ISC. Email Address. Subscribe.